I've seen this thing a number of times now, and it continues to stress me out. <laughs> I don't know you guys, man, the heart rate kind of elevate there a little bit. Jeez Louise. You know, I think that's uh, how it is with time. I think it's something we can all relate to. It's something that seemingly we never have enough of. And uh, hopefully today I'll be able to give you some solutions and uh, maybe leave here today feeling like you've got a little bit more breathing room. Uh, as Brian had mentioned too, uh, some of you may not be aware of this, but you can go to our website, southbaychurch.us, that's .us, and uh, you can click on media. It'll take you to all of our Sunday sermons, and from there, you can even take it a step further. Um, under that, you can actually set things up so that you receive podcasts of all of our sermons, and they'll, they'll download to whatever media that you're using, but it's uh, a little FYI there. And... Um, just uh, as far as our core group's concerned, some of you have asked me about it, others uh, didn't realize it, and we did not send out a uh, follow-up message on it as far as a core group meeting we had scheduled today. Uh, my wife and I wanted to let you know we're just going to give you some breathing room tonight. So uh, kind of falls in the realm of what we're talking about today. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is about our culture today. And, um, you know, I used to think maybe it was just an American thing, but having a, had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time in Singapore, I think it's just a people thing today based on our technology and all the wonderful stuff that we've got. But we seem to be obsessed with speed, obsessed with shortcuts, obsessed with having access to all of our stuff every waking minute of the day. Fast, 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 fast. Whether it's fast food, social media, Facebook, even the names, Instagram. You know, or Snapchat, I mean, just getting it within a nanosecond when it comes to just our, our means of interacting. And um, I think as many of you know, last week Brian did a uh, segment for us, uh, out of breathing room, nope, don't want that again. Uh, and he covered for us uh, Sabbath, tithe, love, gleaning, and today the thing that we're going to look at is time. God establishes a lot of things for us that can help us with our daily life. But I think today, one of the things that I'm going to be covering when it comes to time, doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not, Christian, non-Christian, haven't totally figured it out yet, but I think uh, we've got some tools that will be very helpful no matter what your walk of life is today. I want to start out with a, a story about a basset hound by the name of Tattoo, who um, unexpectedly went for a little bit of an uh, evening jaunt that wasn't what he was anticipating. His owners got in the car. Closed the door on the leash. I'm not quite sure how the leash got caught in the door without the dog either being inside or the leash not being attached to the car, but they took off. You'll, for those of you that are dog lovers and have seen uh, uh, Chevy Chase and whatever that one vacation they went on, it doesn't end like that. So you can just go ahead and drop that thought of the fur ball in the collar there. That, that isn't how this ends up. But anyway, uh, there's a uh, police officer, a gentleman by the name of Filbert, who comes up on the scene and he sees something being sort of kind of moving, dragging behind the car. So he turns on his light, pulls them over, but it wasn't before the car had actually reached speeds in excess of 25 miles per hour. So they, he pulls them over and he lets the occupants of the car know that, you know, you're, there, there's a dog attached to the back of your vehicle. And they jump out of the car screaming, tattoo, tattoo, wanted to make sure that he was okay. And as it turns out, he was. But it was kind of interesting. Uh, Officer Filbert stated that uh, as he came upon the scene, 
He described what he saw as the hound dog picking them up and putting them down as fast as he could. Now, uh, he was kind of managing to keep up with the car. He did roll a few times, but Tattoo came out of this with absolutely no injuries. There, no charges were filed, and uh, I guess he went home a happy camper. But, you know, I think when it comes to life, a lot of us can kind of feel like Tattoo, right? You know, putting them down as fast as you possibly can. It almost seems like you can't even keep pace. You can't move fast enough to keep up with this pace in life. And thinking that through, why is that? Our quality of life is so tied to what goes on in our life. Time. And some days, our, our days are just full, just so full, that we don't enjoy anything because we're trying to do everything. So I think when it comes to our relationship with God, that's one of those things that can be affected by time. And God benefits us when we make sure that we're willing to make time for him when we create that breathing room in our schedules. You know, so where do we start? Time. Time's a hot commodity. You know, uh, Jackie and I were talking about this, and if it was something that could be sold on the commodity exchange, I would imagine it'd probably be one of the priciest things on there. Not pork bellies or oil, but time would be the thing at the top of that list. And, you know, uh, having had the opportunity to uh, spend some time managing within, within the automobile industry, there were always time management courses that were involved. Uh, any of you remember the name Franklin? Franklin Planners, there's Daytimer. Uh, it was amazing. It seemed like whenever anybody came out to do a seminar on time, there was usually a product that they were trying to sell to help manage that time. And, uh, you know, organizationally, I mean, it's, we've got to be on top of it. But I'm not here to sell anything today. Uh, I do think, though, when it comes to breathing room, I've got, uh, I've got something for you today. One thing, one big idea one application that I really believe will change your life. And I, for those of you that are visiting, you may be thinking to yourselves right now, okay, if that doesn't sound like preacher speak, I don't know what does. But I really believe that this will change your time, which is your life. And the reason it will change your life is as follows. As your time goes, so goes your life. As your schedule goes, so goes your life. What we're going to do is take a look at a psalm that addresses time and... Um, you know that song we sung at the beginning today, that line about flying away? Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time on a psalm that addresses that. and It may be a little uh, interesting. Coming out of Psalm 90, now, who do the psalms generally, are they attributed to? Yeah, David. I mean, you know, there's a few others in there, sons of Korah, sons of Asaph. But this particular psalm is a psalm that's written by Moses. And just to uh, kind of give you a little bit of background on Moses... Uh, the Israelites were in captivity at the point in time that he was actually adopted into an Egyptian family. Uh, 430 years prior, uh, there was a family that due to famine kind of moved on into uh, Egypt there, uh, Jacob and his family. And 430 years later, we have millions now of Israelites who were in captivity in Egypt. And there's, uh, I want to break down Moses' life into kind of four different uh, aspects of it briefly because it's all time related. First part of his life, he was adopted. And he was raised in Pharaoh's household. Um, had a pretty awesome life going on. All the training, schooling, meals, everything that would be associated with the wealth of that Egyptian kingdom at the time. But Moses, you know, realized who he was and uh, kind of overstepped his bounds a little bit in that there was a uh, 
Israelite slave that was being beaten by his Egyptian slave keeper at that point. And Moses stepped in and he murdered the guy. So needless to say, time for him to kind of hit the road. He leaves, which leads to the second part of his life where he spent 40 years staring at sheep in the middle of the desert. As you can imagine, probably wasn't the most exciting thing in the world to do. Uh, I would venture to guess he was just counting down those, those years of his life. And which leads to kind of a, a third period, which I think most of us would have found pretty cool, you know, after he finally decided to submit to what God had directed him to do. You know, he becomes somebody. I mean, he leaves the desert, heads back in Egypt, and he goes head-to-head -head with Pharaoh, takes on Pharaoh, let my people go. Leads him on out in the desert. You know, most of us are familiar with the uh, scene there, whether it's the animated version of Moses, whether it's the old-school version of Moses there with Charlton Heston, you know, with his staff and his hand up in the air, parting the Red Sea. Got a cool chapter in one's life, right? Then we have that final portion where the fourth part, where he's out cruising around the desert with a bunch of people that aren't super fired up. Let's call it what it is. There's a lot of complaining going on. And uh, with that, it culminates with Moses' life. He's walking up Mount Nebo with God. And we, we know that based on the passage, even though he's 120 years old, there's nothing physically wrong with him. So obviously his eyes still work. And God takes him up to the top of the mountain and says, look on down in. There's the promised land that you're not going to be able to enter. Which, uh, you know, with everything you've been through, you think that was kind of a bummer. But walking on up to the top of this mountain, getting that time personally with God, God actually burying him there, uh, pretty impressive way to close things out. So there's the thing that stands out the most here is we've got 120 years. Now, how many of us can claim that? So with those 120 years and the various life stations that are involved, I would imagine to say that Moses has quite a bit of perspective on time. And that's what he gives us here in Psalm 90. Again, thinking this through, doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life, but in Psalm 90, verse 1, Moses gives us some insight at the end of his life as to what really is important in life and gives us a proper perspective in Psalm 90, verse 1, it reads, Lord, through all the generations, you've been our home. You know, referencing the nation of Israel and their relationship with God. And then in verse 2, it reads, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You know, he gives us some great imagery right here about God, the creator, creationist. And with that, somewhere between those bookends, we've got Moses. Verse 3, he says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortal. You know, I, I don't know why, I, I heard a couple different voices here, but, you know, we could see maybe Lord Voldemort or Darth Vader you know, coming on out with this. Return to dust, you mortal. And you might be thinking that through, you know. I mean, it doesn't really sound all that cool. But I think this is what, what Moses is putting out there when it comes to God and his perspective on God is that God is in control of the beginning and the end. That's how powerful our God is. You know, again, maybe you find it a little offensive, but, you know, when it comes to our modern way of thinking, our perspective on things, but not to Moses. What's important here 
is whether or not you recognize it or not, that that is who God is. Doesn't matter whether you can explain it or not, but I think the, the bottom line thing here is that most of us believe God has something to do with the length of our life, and I can prove it. If you've ever been struck by a life-threatening illness, who do you turn to? Who do you pray to? If you have a, a close family member whose life's put in a precarious situation, who do you turn to? Who do you pray to? And really thinking that through. See, if you found out tomorrow that you had a terminal disease, would you not pray? And, you know, maybe it's been years. I, I look back at the, my life growing up and from 13 to 32, actually, yeah, 13 to 32 being agnostic. And I remember being in the hospital, Jackie's in labor. This would have been with my first son, our first son, Stephen. At the time, my first blood relative being adopted. And I remember praying to God. I hadn't prayed to God for, again, that span of 13 to 32. But I remember praying to God, asking God to just give me a healthy child. And with that birth, you know, I've shared this before, I think that's when some of the scales finally started to fall off this heart of mine. And I realized, you know what, there, there's something greater out there than us just crawling out of the primordial ooze, you know, some trilobite that managed to morph its way into what we've got today. So it doesn't matter, again, your background or where you're from, and Moses is really trying to put that out there when it comes to our lives. In verse 4, he says, For you, a thousand years are a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. And, you know, wouldn't we all agree with this? Time flies. Do we not say that? We get to the end of the week and say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. You know, you had that baby that you were holding in your arms. Now they're getting ready to leave the house, and you're like, oh, my gosh, where did it go? Time flies. Imagine how it flies for God. A hundred hours, or a hundred years in just a few hours. And we see Moses reflecting on this with God. Obviously, God knew what Moses' life looked like. He knows what our lives look like. Verse 5, it says, you sweep people away like dreams that disappear. I don't know if this is what Peter was referencing in the passage that Brian used earlier or not, but very well may have been. He says, they are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it's dry and withered. You know, Moses, I'm sure, is thinking through this. You know, I guess, God, from your perspective, our entire lives that we can get so consumed with it's like grass, which pops up in the morning, and in the evening, it's gone. Aren't you glad you came today? Isn't this motivating? <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> in verse 10, it says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. I mean, isn't this a reality? Aren't there situations that we have to deal with on a daily basis? And Moses, I'm sure, as he's kind of walking through this at the end of his life, reflecting back on what he had been through, you know, if you were to go to Moses, you know, man, Moses, I got all these challenges, I got all these problems. I can just see Moses saying, well, you know, you think you got a lot of pain, you think you got a lot of trouble, let me tell you about it. Forty years keeping sheep. It was really kind of a drag. It was hot, chasing them down, having to defend them from wild animals. You know, that was as exciting as it got. And then I had kind of a good run. I had 40 years with 
you know, I had that interaction there with Pharaoh, which was awesome. But then I had 40 years with a bunch of complainers and things weren't really going all that well. And God promised the promised land, Canaan. And I wasn't able to go in. And really understanding that life is challenging. It's very challenging. But isn't it even more so if we let life control us? And I, and I know that what Moses is putting out here, and we'll see this as we finish the, through the psalm, don't lose faith because you're dwarfed by God. Don't, don't lose faith because of God's magnitude, God's power, how incredibly huge he is. And then contrasting with the brevity of our own life, we, we can't go there. We've got to realize that God has established his time for us for a reason, but this time can be used so much more effectively if we connect with him. In verse 10, it says, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear. And that song we sang earlier, verse 10 closes out, and we fly away. That's what that, that song that we sang earlier is based on, knowing that it doesn't matter how bad or how challenging life is, if we've got this focus on God, we're going to be able to spend eternity with him. And as fleeting and as brief as our lives are, guess what? That's how fleeting and brief any problems or challenges are that we can have. Time and life pass quickly. Pain and trouble goes every bit as quickly. Verse 11, it says, Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. And this might be a little bit of a challenging verse for us to, to think through here, kind of difficult, because there's a lot of different ideas going on. It may seem like there's even maybe some words missing, but here's a little bit of an idea of what Moses is talking about here. Moses is saying, God is from everlasting to everlasting, Yet my life is a blip on the screen. My life is only a few seconds. Three hours to God is like a thousand years. I wonder if you see if you can uh, spot this on the screen up here. Well, couldn't even see the blip because of the lighting in here, but there's a little, there was a little dot on that screen. And really thinking this through, if we could see God as he is, will we not give him the reverence that he's due? You know, you think about this with Moses. Moses had his interaction with God in the burning bush, and at one point even he said to God, God, I want to see you. And God says, well, you know what? You can't look on me within my full glory. And he put him in a little cleft in the rock, and God walked past. So I think when it comes to with this passage that we just looked at in the Scriptures, Moses, more than anybody, has the proper perspective on God, has the proper perspective on time. See, if we could see God for who he is, ultimately, wouldn't we live our lives differently? Our time, our lives, they'd be given to God because we know that we only have a little slice of time to do something with. Again, we're just that, that little blip on a screen. If we could see God as he is, would we not be more careful with the time that we've been allocated I know in, in thinking through things over the years, I've had to stop and assess where I'm at and what I'm involved with and whether or not certain things I just even needed to pursue based on how limited our time is. And there are those instances where we think that, you know, we're in control or we do a better job if we're in control, but we don't. We, we need to think along the lines of what Moses is establishing here. And it takes Moses to push us back to show us how to look at the context of our lives. In verse 12, of Psalm 90, back up here. It says, teach us to realize the brevity of life 
so we may grow in wisdom. And then in Holman's, it says, teach us to number our days carefully so we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And if we number our days, if we have this understanding, what ultimately comes out of it? What does God promise us comes out of it? We can see it right here. If we number our days, we'll develop wisdom in our hearts as to how to pursue each day. If we number our days, we gain wisdom. If we live through our days as they're not numbered, we'll fill our days with things that we wish we wouldn't have. And at the end of our lives, ultimately, we'll have nothing but regret. You know, Brian shared about this a little last week. I wanted to, I'm just going to spend time on a couple of them here, but uh, talked about Bronnie Ware, a nurse, and just the interaction that this individual had with people that they were t- was taking care of, nursing them, trying to get them back to help. But the bulk of these individuals that were interviewed were within the last few weeks of life. And you can see the top five here. Number one is, I wish I'd had the courage to have a life, to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. Number two, I wish I didn't work so hard. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. I'm going to start with number two, and then we'll work backwards to number one. I wish I didn't work so hard. And this is a quote from Ronnie here. It says, this came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. All the men that I nursed deeply regretted spending so much time of their lives on the treadmill of work, existence. By simplifying your lifestyle, she goes on, and making conscious choices along the way, it's possible not to need the income that you think you do. And by creating more space in your life, you become happier and more open to new opportunities, ones that may be more suited to your lifestyle. You know, there's a couple of, you guys remember the Malins? Awesome couple. Um, it's one of the things I do like about Facebook is being able to keep up with them and their family and how, how the kids are doing. And they made this decision that they were not going to get caught up in the rat race that we get caught up in sometimes in Los Angeles. And for those of you that visited the place that they lived, very small apartment, very simple lifestyle, but it afforded them the kind of life that they wanted, which Jim worked, Jackie stayed home with the kids. And it totally gave them the opportunity to engage in the things that were most important for them. You know, so much so that by the, at the point in time that he moved to Ireland, they wanted to move to Ireland to be able to connect with family, give their family the opportunity to know Christ, come into the kingdom. He had $70,000 that were saved and was able to set themselves up so he was supported until he was able to find work there. And it's incredible to see the way that they've engaged family and how things are going for them there. But this was, again, a decision. They didn't want to get choked out by chasing the American dream and some of the other things that are associated with that. They were able to discern what was most important in life. Simplifying lifestyle. You know, if you're a teenager or college age, I want you to really pay attention to this next one for a minute here. This was number one in the survey. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. This was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and they look back clearly on it, 
It's easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not even honored half of their own dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to choices they had made or had not made. Okay, right now, I want to let you know, I've done you a huge favor here. I've just fast-forwarded you into the future to the end. You now have the wisdom of living life like your days are numbered. You know, what do you do, what comes to mind with this when you look at your current schedule? What, the, what do you do with this when you look at your current place in life? See, it gives us wisdom that we need to realize that our days are numbered. Again, it, it kind of ties back into that verse 12. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Number our days and we'll gain wisdom. And it's, it's very important to try and honor at least some of what it is that we're trying to accomplish in life with our dreams, right? But it's interesting. From the moment you lose your health, you realize it's too late. And, and, and understanding that, by and large, we're all very healthy in this group. We, we know individuals, though, with health challenges, and health brings freedom, I think, in a way that very few of us really realize until ultimately you no longer have it. Remembering that our time is limited provides us with the wisdom to know how to spend that limited time. This one, if you, got a, if you can take a moment here, write this down. This is really, really incredibly important. Remembering our time is limited provides us with the wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. See, God wants us, especially as Christians, we got some Christians in the house this morning, right? He wants us to embrace this wisdom, and he makes provisions for us to do just that, to be good stewards of the time that God has given us. Jesus talks about it. He goes after it very aggressively in Matthew 6. Passage starts out and talks about the need to engage and give to the poor. Talks about prayer. Talks about fasting. Talks about where our true treasure is. And that anything that we have here ultimately doesn't last. And then there's this admonishment not to worry. Not to worry about life, which you will eat or drink or wear. In Matthew 6, verse 27, he says, Who of you by worrying could add a single hour to his life? So Jesus deals with what's a very dangerous tendency of those who worry. The Greek word, meromeneo, means simply, do not be anxious. In verse 25, and Jesus cites that three times in this passage. He gives us a command to refrain from unhealthy anxiety. Verse 25, 31, and 34. Floyd Filson notes that this word means to be so disturbed about material needs that we distrust God. We're so consumed and so worried that we distrust God and we're distracted from faithfully doing his will. I think just really understanding the implication of this here is that worrying about material and temporal things the scripture tells us that we, we shouldn't. It produces anxiety. And that if we set our hearts on material possessions and we worry about the lack of them, is to live a life that's caught up in perpetual insecurity and can actually interfere with living our lives. You know, we've got some doctors in the group, they can tell you the significance of stress in our lives and how what goes on mentally here can have an incredible effect on our actual physical health. You know, does worry add or subtract your life? And really understanding that. Matthew 6, verse 31, we'll continue in the passage here. It says, so don't worry about these things. 
saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Okay, seek the kingdom first and live righteously. What are we talking about here? Well, seeking the kingdom of God includes, involves, a continued hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, what is that? Right living in accordance with what God has established for us. We're not only called to seek the kingdom in this sense, and, you know, not just being focused on heaven, but we need to engage right now as Jesus did. Heaven's the final goal, but really thinking through, okay, what, is it, what do I need to do to be more like Christ on a daily basis? See, a true disciple, a true believer is never content with what we have in Christ, but continually seeking to know him better and to be more in, enter into more of an intimate relationship with him. So with that, we can say, keep, singing the, keep seeking the kingdom of God and if you do this, God will provide for our needs. You know, this takes us all the way back to what we saw in verse 12 with Moses. Teach us to number our days carefully so we may develop wisdom in our hearts. What's really important? You guys remember when we did our uh, Francis Chan series? We had those uh, ropes where uh, that little black tip right there is our life. And just kind of keeps going and going and going and going. And I'm not going to be doing any magic tricks here, but going and going and going and going. And oh, those deep pockets. You know, I mean, honestly, it would go on out into perpetuity. You wouldn't see the end of it. And this is our life. Why do we get so stressed out and focused on this versus the rest of it? Because that's what God promises us, right? Eternity if we have the proper focus on the way that we live our lives. See, if we do, I'm just really thinking this through, Satan gets in there and really messes with our heads. And if I don't do as much as I possibly can, if I don't fill every moment of my life, I'm going to fall behind. I'll be poor. I won't be accepted. I won't measure up. I won't be able to give my kids the best or more of or whatever. And we get afraid of falling behind. But behind what? What are, what are we afraid of falling behind? See, if you're a follower of Jesus, the thing that's important as a disciple is that understanding that God has something for us to do. And if we aren't careful, we'll miss it. You'll miss it for yourself. You'll miss it for your family. You'll miss it for your kids. You know, he's got something specifically for you. single. You're in a position where, just from a standpoint of your life station, there's so much that he gives you the opportunity to do now if we really are taking charge of the time that we've been given, if we understand the time that we've been given. If we number our days, it'll give us insight. It'll give us heart of wisdom. I got a little, uh, I think we've got a little handout. We've got a little handout for you this morning. And what we've got here is I want you to take some time thinking through your life. Sit down with a friend, sit down with a spouse, sit down with somebody else and walk through your life. How are you doing as far as breathing room? There's a plus, a minus, a greater than, a less than. On the first one, there may be some things you need to add to your life. That'll make a little bit more sense as we close out here this morning. 
There may be some things specifically you need to subtract out of your life that are a distraction, that are a hindrance. It maybe is having a negative effect on your family. There's some things that maybe you need a little bit more of. There may be some other things you need a little bit less of. But taking the time to really go through and walk through this, take this to heart from a standpoint of time being limited, thinking through what you need to spend your time doing, what you need to be engaged with, assessing who you spend time with. You know, maybe it's a matter of modifying some things. Maybe you spend a little bit too much time in front of the TV or too much time on video games or, you know, maybe spend too much time on the golf course. That's one I can pick on. I'm a golf follow-away. I've got clubs, but don't even ask me when the last time I used them. But really thinking this through, and something that came out of our uh, last night, it was really interesting. We had our youth family ministry night. I want to really thank the uh, Toomeys for putting this together. They did a survey of our youth. And there were, there were some aspects of it that were absolutely phenomenal. I think this was one of them. You can kind of see how this breaks down here. 40%, 47% of our kids gave an A when it comes to praying together as a family with their parents. And you can see the, way, the rest of that breaks down. 24% B, 16% C, 12% D, 4% F. And again, this is just one of those things, it's a tool, it's a means of assessing where things are at. The next one, though, I found myself a little bit more concerned with, and this was reading the Bible as a family. We've got a, we've got a full-blown bell curve going on here, for those of you in the graphs and all that. You can see how it works out here. 37%, that's the largest percentage, graded the family with a C as to reading together and talking about the Bible frequently. And then it kind of trails off. Your uh, B and the D there are about the same. And then the opposite ends of the spectrum, the A's and the F's, 8%. And what this tells me, and th this, is, this is good because this gives us the ability to engage on a different level here, but I totally believe this is a matter of time. You know, the praying something we start out with our kids, you know, when they're little, and uh, Shailene right into her teens every night before she went to bed. If I forgot, she'd ask me to come pray with her. The Bible can be a little bit different situation, though. And we've got to ask ourselves this morning, when it comes to time, are we giving our best to our job? Are we giving our best to the world? Are we giving our best to our hobbies or to the sports that we're involved with and not giving our best to God, to his kingdom? I mean, that's the very thing he calls us to seek, correct? See, if this, the kingdom is your number one priority, the thing that's awesome about life is everything else falls into place. And I guarantee you, you'll learn to number your days if you'll give that insight. You'll allow this time of assessment to really affect your heart. It'll give you the wisdom that you need. Thinking through this, this is a time issue. I mean, how are our kids, one of the things that came out in it was uh, in, the, in a passage Brian read last night out of 2 Timothy, is it's God that grants repentance, right? Well, how are our kids going to know what that looks like if they don't know what God looks like. And the only way they're going to know who, what God looks like if we're willing to spend that time and get them into the scriptures, not from a standpoint of correction, but helping them understand what an awesome God we serve is. He created all this. I mean, it's amazing. There's so many awesome things in scripture. And, you know, some of you may be a little burnt out on doing those family devos because maybe they don't always go in the direction that you want them to. And Brian talked about this last night. I remember sitting down with the kids. We're going to talk about this. 
you know, and all of a sudden Shailene and Stephen are back and forth with each other arguing. And I mean, it's supposed to be a spiritual time. We're arguing? Seriously? But you know, what ultimately it did though is that time was set aside and it led to a spiritual discussion. Maybe not always the way that I would have envisioned it, but it gave us the ability to engage on that level and really thinking that through. You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, did you guys hear about that issue with JetBlue? Uh, where they lost an engine and the fuselage filled with smoke and basically the, the flight attendants told everybody to assume crash positions. I mean, either you can go on, you can Google it. There's footage online. People are, you know, really stressing, screaming. They've got their air mask. The air mask didn't drop. And, you know, they're, where are the air masks? And, you know, there's a lot of different stuff going on. And a number of the news stations interviewed a number of these individuals right after they got off the plane. It landed safely. A few injuries on the slides, but beyond that, everybody got off the plane in pretty good shape. But it's amazing when faced with mortality, what that does to our perspective on time, what that does to our perspective on our lives. There was one guy that kept saying over and over again, he was, he was being interviewed, he goes, well, I, I, didn't, I couldn't understand this, I, I, I couldn't get this, I'm 42 years old, it's not my time, it's not my time, it's not my time. He just kept saying this over and over and over again to the newscaster, and mind you, he was on the ground at this stage. You know, there's another, another gentleman, which I totally understand. He, he wept for about 10 minutes. He was afraid he was never going to see his five-year-old again. And I was able to find a little bit of video, video footage here. One of the, uh, one of the survivors. Not good. I mean, put it on the numbers. You know, I mean, he did good. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was proud of him. We, and then he came by afterwards and said hello to everybody. And all of us were hugging him and saying thank you. Because it was scary for all of us. Did you jump right out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went down the slide and was protecting my dog the whole time. And it was, uh, I'm just happy to be alive, you know. I'm, I don't think I'll ever be uh, mean to anybody ever again. Seriously. <laughs> I'm glad Seriously. Yeah. I mean, the interaction is kind of interesting. I mean, he, he closes it out with, I'm never going to be mean to anybody ever again. And the newscaster laughs. You know, and he comes back and it wasn't, no, I'm, I'm serious. Well, obviously, I would imagine that he probably treated people mean from time to time, right? For him to, Kind of, you know, his life has flashed before his eyes, and the one thing his takeaway is, I'm going to treat people different. I've got a second lease on life. And I'm hoping today that that's what we can come away with here. So I guarantee you, if you begin to number your days, you won't take them for granted. You know, there's, uh, you can go online and they have these, uh, any of you guys ever seen these life expectancy calculators? Okay, a couple of you. You can actually go online, pull up a life expectancy calculator. It has a whole bunch of questions about your health, your family's health, and the whole bit, and then it throws out a number at you. Well, I went on, and I put in all my information, and I'm not, not necessarily buying this at all, but uh, it, it came back saying that I can look forward to about 93 years, which is a little outside the realm of the average. So what that means is I've got 37 years left, or if we were to break that on out, 13,505 days left. I don't want to take any of those for granted. And, you know, and this, is, this is another exercise we can all do. I mean, you know, the average, figure on an average of 80 years of age, all you do is subtra subtract your current age from 80, multiply it times 365, and you'll have your days. You can go online and do it. But take the time to do it. Write it down on your card. How many days left, and what do you plan on doing with them? Whether it's work, family, or other obligations, if we let it, there's always something that will creep in and control our lives. Why not give the control to the one that created you, who gave it to you? 
See, creative breathing room in your schedule begins when you recognize that time is limited and therefore valuable. I just want to admonish you, use your time wisely. You know, this is a prayer that you may want to add to that list of, on that card right there. Teach me to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach me how to number my days so I can gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 10, again, in closing here, it says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Verse 17, may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. We realize our days are numbered. We'll have the breathing room that God wants to give us in our lives so that our lives will and our efforts will be successful. God bless.